0: I hate to start the show up on on a sad note, but we have cause to start the show on a sad note. The um, the Mid Atlantic region, uh, the DMV lost lost a part of the soccer community um, this weekend. Kofi and T was the uh, I think community or the community outreach director of the Richmond Kickers. Uh, he was a part of that. They're, they're set up for a long time. Um, Ghanaian national who came over here and played for the kickers for a little while and, and just stayed a part of the family there in Richmond. He passed away very suddenly this weekend. And, um, I, I never met him, but from all accounts, he was a fantastic guy. Um, doesn't have a lot of people on this side of the ocean. He's from Ghana and his family is in Ghana. And so there is a GoFundMe page to, raise money for him and his for his family to um send his body back to ghana and to um bury him appropriately so um i would like to commend our listeners to that gofundme page because um he was one of us and he's gone now and um yeah it's it's sad and don't have a lot to to expound upon beyond beyond that. So I'll say, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from BlackandRedUnited.com, where we generally write about soccer um, and DC United and the U.S. Men's National Team in particular. And that's what we're talking about tonight. The United States uh, had a blow-the-doors-off performance against Honduras in San Jose on Friday night, 6-0 over Los Catrachos. Um, We're going to talk about that. We're going to, I swear, it's actually going to happen this week. We're going to have Josie Becker on to talk about the MLS Western Conference, and we are going to talk to Eugene Rapinski, uh, our good buddy from up there, Philly Way, to talk about uh, the dupers themselves, the Philadelphia Union, who are coming to RFK Stadium this Saturday night. Be there or be something that rhymes with there. 7pm. Uh, if you can't be there and are in fact something that rhymes with there, uh, you can watch it on News Channel 8 or your local Sinclair affiliate. Before we do anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I ate an immense meal. Um, I overbought. Uh, I bought a... I had to- pork tostones. I had this like duck and sweet potato hash that was new on the menu at the place I stopped at and was awesome that I would probably eat forever if uh, I could just spend endless money on it. Um, so basically I had no time, I had so much time to eat so much food to eat. I did not have time to make anything complicated. Um, and so I made a quick rye old fashioned with, uh, Michter's rye, um, dash of Angostura bitters, a little bit of simple syrup, nothing special, but, uh, high quality rye. And, uh, I might fall asleep during the show. I'm just warning you guys, um, uh, because I'm tired <laughs> and full, which is a great recipe to add a depressant like alcohol to.
0: Well, up until that point, um, none of our listeners could see it, but you two could, I was giving a big thumbs up, um, on the video chat here, um, up until the sleeping part. No, none of that. (laughs) No, sir. I know we have a three segment show tonight and it's going to get late, but no, none, no to that. Um, I am drinking something vaguely similar to what I had last week. I'm hoping to translate the good luck from the U S national team into, well, more U S national team. Good luck as they go down to Panama, on Tuesday um, and and also for DC United as they host Philly this weekend. Uh, Last week I had that bourbon and blue shrub. And this week I have substituted the, uh, I had actually substituted rye for the bourbon in that. And now I've substituted again for green hat gin. So I'll call it green and blue. Um, And it's good. The, so what, the,
3: wait, what What exactly is in this instead of so, referencing other things? Can you just tell
0: us? Well, regular listeners will will remember last week I explained I, what a shrub
3: I was, was on
2: this show and I don't remember. I remember you had a show. I don't remember anything about what was in the one that you had
3: specifically. Exactly. Me too. Okay. Well,
0: all right. So shrub is made with a cocktail vinegar. The one I have uh, now and had last week is blueberry, um, basil, some orange oil, and um, distilled white vinegar. Okay. And maybe a little bit of sugar in there for sweetness, too, I think. So this week I have uh, mixed that with Green Hat Gin, some orange bitters, and uh, an orange liqueur. And it is quite tasty. It's very refreshing. It and Yeah, it's, it, it works really well. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that this this particular shrub works well, not just with whiskey, but it plays nicely with other spirits as well.
2: I'm going to forget what was in this one as well. For next week. Well,
0: <laughs> luckily, well, hopefully I'll have an excuse to mix it with another different there spirit next week. And so I'll get to have this conversation all over again. <laughs> Otherwise, um, uh, I'll have to get to Cotton and Reed. And I don't want... I, I I do want to try Cotton and Reed. I don't want to have to try Cotton and Reed. I'll put it that way. Because they make rum for anyone who doesn't remember. Ben, what are you drinking?
3: <laughs> so as an aside to our aside that in, uh, intros every podcast... Do you guys know why the phrase goes "be there or be square"? Oh, don't
0: I don't want to I be a nerd. That was a phrase. I was just trying to. <laughs> um, yeah, squares are nerds, and Ben's going to tell us that's there's not all. It. There, yeah. there's,
3: well, there's an alternate <laughs> oh, explanation. Okay.
0: Oh, an apocryphal explanation, I assume,
3: could, or could be correct. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I think would a, it's you definitely
0: know, you brought it up, and it, you're the historian. Archivist person.
3: Being as an aside to the aside to the aside, an archivist (laughs) is someone who helps people find information, doesn't know the information necessarily themselves. Anyways, it's a a much more punny version, at least, uh, of the explanation. Because uh, if you're not there, you're not a round. So you're therefore square.
0: Nope, I don't buy it. (laughs) I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Not a thing. If we can if we can get some evidence to the contrary I will examine it carefully before dismissing it.
3: It, it may just be a, a a hilarious pun. And I'm okay with that expl- that too.
0: I'm I agree that it is a pun.
3: <laughs>
0: and I am not anti-pun. I think but I would not I think agree if you hit this-
2: the sweet spot where you're not sure if the pun was terrible or uh or not you've actually gone like that's the highest uh, level of punnery is the one where it's like was that should yep. I be ashamed of myself? That's the one where you've done the best. Good job, Ben. Sort of, in a way.
0: <laughs> you know who actually did a good job this weekend.
2: Wait, what is Ben drinking?
0: I, I, that's a great point. Not me. I'm I, I'm I'm not doing a great job, Ben. What are you drinking after now that we've gotten through our various aside
3: uh bourbon and coke because i needed something very quick to make and i was gonna tell a story i was gonna tell a story about wine but i didn't want to tell a story about wine so i had bourbon and coke instead
0: all right classic highball um back to my aborted segue you know who did a great job this
2: weekend
3: me making a pun (laughs) no not so much
2: did you make a pun over the weekend too Knowing myself, probably, okay. but I'll I can't pick out what it I was. I think that's likely to be true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the U.S. men's <laughs> national team <laughs> um, gave us a night worth staying up late for. 6 uh, nothing over Honduras on Bruce Arena's World Cup qualifier re-debut, if that's a thing. Um, a lot obviously went well for the U.S., and I think that's where we're going to spend most of our time in this segment. Uh, so let's start with the guy who you know, came back from a heart problem to score a hat trick and come within two goals of the all-time U.S. international men's scoring record. That would be Clint Dempsey. Um, All three goals were were pretty fantastic, too. The first one, a scoop pass uh, he received from Christian Pulisic, and more on him in a second, uh, that he took down while being fouled slash mugged and managed to make a ridiculous finish. Uh, second one run, ran onto a through ball, touched around the keeper, uh, for an easy goal. And the, the third one was just, a. I don't have words to describe that free kick. You have to go see it. If you haven't, it was, it defied logic in a lot of ways. Um, Ben, what do you have to say about deuces performance in this one?
3: I mean, yeah, there's nothing to say about the joy that I have in seeing Clinton drew Dempsey. Back on the field playing well, uh, especially with all the injuries that cropped up late to the USMNT's attacking core. Uh, he was definitely necessary. They needed him fit and ready to go because otherwise it was going to be Chris Wondolowski starting, I guess, or Pulisic starting up top and putting somebody else under him. Who knows what it might have been? Chaos and mayhem, most likely. So. It's really great to see, I mean, just on a personal level, it's great to see Deuce be able to play again, uh, because that was always something that was somewhat up in the air. And he may or may not be starting in 2018 at the World Cup, but he's definitely necessary to get this team to there if they're going to make it. So great to see him. I mean, obviously it was, and we'll talk about this a little more, uh, but it was against a surprisingly overmatched Honduras team, but regardless goals or goals and getting back in form and getting back in confidence is exactly what you want to see.
0: I, at one end of his career is, is Clint Dempsey at the other end is, is Christian Pulisic. So it was kind of fun to watch the young and the old um, work together so well. in this one, Christian Pulisic started in that number 10 spot, um, floated around a lot and, and generally just got into space and, and, created havoc with really aggressive runs off the ball. Um, and it, he was he was great all night, um, at least off the ball. It started off a little slow on the ball before settling down and, and having kind of a superlative evening. There are two assists and a goal in his World Cup qualifier debut. Um, if he can keep that pace, I'm pretty sure he will break some kind of record at some point. Um, that's a ridiculous pace and no one should expect that of him, even though he keeps raising the bar on everyone's expectations for him, Jason, of all the things, what stood out most to you about Pulisic's game on Friday?
2: Uh, I would say the, the movement, uh, more than anything else, the fact that, um, he took this role, uh, at the point of a midfield diamond, um, which, and we, we've talked about it a ton of times, diamonds don't just uh, happen overnight in soccer or in nature. Um, it takes a long time to get this right. And for Arena to throw that out there, I think at kickoff was, I mean, people were still wondering if that U.S. lineup was uh, in an inaccurate tweet uh, or uh, some gamesmanship or something like that. There was a lot of, uh, he plays wide uh, with Dortmund, so there was, you know, the possibility of Sebastian Legette playing inside um uh especially our position right, so there was there was a lot of i mean even Darlington Nagby could have come inside too, so there's a lot of possibilities to flatten yeah. that midfield out um but he took the that number ten role and really made good use of it. He did have you know some turnovers on the passing side those will happen a lot of that came from taking risks uh, going forward and maybe seeing the chance to put people in, which is where two of his assists came from. they were both passes from. 30, 40 – I think one of them was near midfield, actually, um, to send someone through. Um, But his movement was so good. Um, His movement is – it really unsettled the Honduran central midfield of uh, Roger Espinosa and Jorge Claros. Um, Claros, I'm not sure why he's still getting called in or at least starts for Honduras, but that's not our problem. Um, But yeah, that that could have been a really difficult pairing because those guys are both – we know Espinosa from his years with Kansas City – Clarus was there in Kansas City as well for a season. Um, they're both very physical players. Uh, Espinosa is renowned for his work rate for a good reason. Um, and the fact that they're playing that 5-4-1, 3-4-3 three, three hybrid meant that um, they didn't have to flare out wide. There's always someone covering them, so those two could just focus on the center of the field. Um, and in, in a lot of moments, you would have think they would have overwhelmed uh, the space in front of the back three. You also had a lot of Hunter and... Um, aggression from their, their three center backs, a lot of stepping up into play, which ended up being a disaster for them. Um, so that, that channel that, that, that Pulisic was trying to play in, uh, what Pulisic was trying to play in was crowded. Um, it was difficult and he actually still managed to excel by moving around, changing his position, changing, uh, his decision-making process was a little unpredictable for Honduras, but was really good, uh, for the U.S. i S I'm looking at, um, he had four successful dribbles and all of them came in the center, the vertical center third of the field. So that's uh, um, t- some of them were in zone 14. So that's really pretty useful as well. But just generally, he was popping up in different places and Honduras couldn't account for him. They didn't really know what he was going to do. Um, and that's even what... even his unsuccessful dribbles seemed to serve a purpose. He wasn't just dribbling
0: at guys to go at them on the, the first goal for the U.S., Early in the game, mm-hmm. he he picks up the ball and runs, uh, tries to touch it past a couple of defenders. Right, it manages tackled away, and he you know ran right by one of his teammates, two of his teammates, in fact, uh, on this dribble. So he knew if it got touched away, it would probably right. go straight to his teammate, and he continued his run, knowing that. And then Josie Altidore, more on him in a second, yeah. picked out this <laughs> beautiful pass, um, kind of a third line pass, right to exactly the right spot, and Pulisic gets a shot on goal, rebound falls to Sebastian Legette, who yeah. just taps it into an empty net. It was a great play all around, but that just the, the thought from Pulisic right. that went into it was was amazing and, and for an 18-year-old. Yeah, and
2: that's, that's kind of the, the major overall point for me, is that when you have an 18-year-old who is, who is making inroads at this level, at the, at the national team level, um, you're still, really with any 18-year-old playing professional soccer, your concern is going to be the thought process more than anything else. Um, the technical ability, if you're getting on the field at 18, the technical ability is going to be there. Um, and maybe it comes and goes and you have to work on consistency, but the the skill level, the ceiling for that is there. But the, it's the mental side of the game is where these players can go from really good to elite. And, I mean, we have multiple articles coming out today and over the weekend um, and um, people who are knowledgeable about these sort of things talking about he might be Already in the conversation of the greatest national team player, uh, ever. Now, obviously, he doesn't have the resume at with the national team to say that yet because he has what six caps, something like that. Uh, I'm right. not, something yeah. like that. Um, and as you said already, that was his his qualifying debut, um, or at least as a starter. Has he played another qualifier before? Actually, no, it wasn't his debut. But, You're
0: right. He he did start against Mexico, okay, so, also as a number ten. Right, um, but, but much in the less
3: successful disastrous. 3-5-2. Um,
2: but in, in yeah. any case, um,
3: you
2: know, to to get the mental side of the game uh, so correct and to really um, make, the, I mean, this plan kind of hinged on him having a good game. Um, if he wasn't playing well, if he wasn't moving correctly arena probably would have ditched the diamond pretty early. Um, he probably would have, he probably came in knowing like, well, if this doesn't work, we can always go floor, regular four, four, two. Um, and he did eventually, they eventually flattened that midfield out, but it was only after the score kind of got out of hand. Um, right. Early
0: on, you could see in the defensive phase that it was defensively a four, three, one, two, and Pulisic was kind of trying to Press the, that that two man central midfield a little bit, or at least yeah. shape them and, and, and funnel them in in a direction, and make
3: and
2: make sure that he was uh, available for transition. It seemed like the U.S. was right. very confident that they could force those turnovers, and then having him up high was a risk worth taking. Um, and that right. all comes from the mental side. You know, from his understanding on the night was so good that uh, that risk paid off because it doesn't pay off with virtual. There's there's not really anyone else in the U.S. talent, the, the U.S. pool of players that can fit in that role and actually do what he did. failhaber and Kleschen, uh have different skill sets, and they're per- both pretty good at that, but I don't think they they make it pay off anywhere near like like this worked out uh, on Saturday.
0: So one of the big reasons it did work out um, was Dempsey's partner up top, the last man of this attacking trio, Josie Altidore, who didn't manage to get a goal. I don't even know if he got credited with an assist, although he, he probably should have. He had at least... A couple yeah, goals. I know he got the first accredited goal.
2: Accredited for one assist.
0: All right, it, it was probably the secondary assist on on Dempsey's second because I know he set Pulisic up for that through ball, but I don't I don't remember if there was another one he could have gotten
2: an uh, assist on. Uh, the MLS Soccer site has him as the assist on the 46 minute goal, so the goal moments in the second half, which it was. Okay. Um, okay, that's yeah. right. That's There's right. so many he goals, it's hard to remember again. which one was which.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was one where Dempsey lost the ball, recovered it, passed it to Josie, who touched it through for Pulisic. Um, Dempsey or Josie would have had an assist on if Pulisic had managed to score the first goal, rather than forcing a rebound that Leggett scored. Anyway, Josie was he was a badass in this game. I'm not going to lie; he didn't get a goal, but he didn't even get that many shots that I can think of. But he was popping up and dragging defenders all over the place and winning one-on-one battles and just generally making Honduras hate him all night. And it was, it was nice to see that version of Josie Altidore, Ben.
3: It was, it was really great. And this is the version of Josie that everyone has like tries to access, but isn't always able to unlock. And it, it wasn't a pure back to goal, uh, Performance Because I think he's proven time and time again, he's not a pure back to goal forward. But if you give him the ability to be creative, he can put in great passes. He can hold up the ball. Sometimes he can rip great shots. And just watching this performance. This is what a, this is a classic, like a forward didn't get a goal, but he still dominated the game. And so a very Brian
0: King like just, performance.
3: Sure. Uh, I mean, Brian Ching
0: was, he was he was a weird forward in that he, the offense was always better for the U.S. when he was on the field, but he didn't get that many goals. Right. And this was that kind of performance, but Josie Alta also obviously brings some goal danger right. as
3: well. And this is, this is a classic example of if you just looked at the box score and maybe watched a couple of highlights, you might think that Josie didn't have a very good game and you would be dead wrong because he had a really great game and was one of, uh, probably after uh, Pulisic, he was the most important player on the field for the U.S. I would say even more so than Dempsey.
0: Wow. I don't know if I'd go that far. Just three goals is a lot of goals, but Josie was, I mean, there's a reason. I stand by it. There's a reason those are the three guys that I wanted to talk about first. Um, The next one on my list is Michael Bradley, who next along with Josie Altidore is probably the most polarizing figure on the field for DC United or for the U S men's national team. <laughs> are, we, I, you know. I,
4: I are we, are we reading? <laughs> um,
0: apparently All right. soon enough. I'm sure
3: I'll take both of them.
0: <laughs> so Michael Bradley in this one, um, had some misplaced passes as he inevitably uh, does. Well, let's
2: not, I mean, I'm I'm looking at that right now, and it's five. Not a lot of misplaced uh, passes. <laughs> yeah. I don't have some. time to count. 0-0. Yeah, I don't have time to count the number of successful passes. It's a lot. Um, he, but yeah.
0: what I was going to say is, he kept the ball moving a lot. He he was much more decisive than he was in the last pair of World Cup qualifiers. Um, probably because he knew where his teammates <laughs> were going to be uh, more frequently because they weren't playing some exotic formation they had never played in four years. So Michael Bradley obviously had a goal in this one as well, a well-taken goal that looked like a goalkeeper mistake until you watched the replay and saw that it was just perfectly placed. Um, also had, I think 13 recoveries or tackles um, kind of a crazy number. Um, but it makes more sense when you think that he's the lone yeah. defensive midfielder. So he was, he, he was winning the ball and keeping possession, starting attacks uh, I would say he had himself a good game too in this one.
2: Yeah. I thought he was, uh, outstanding. Um, a diamond doesn't succeed without whoever's at the base of the diamond has to be probably one of your three or four best players. Um, and, and you also, he has to be, he or she has to be really good, uh, for a diamond to actually be useful. Otherwise your team is bad. Um, and you shouldn't play a diamond. Um, and he really, uh, controlled that region of the field. I think it, it, Honduras not playing a 10 helped as far as his passing uh, goes. He didn't have, uh, they they weren't able to really put much pressure on him, especially because they kept uh, uh, Albert Elise pushing up high. Um, they didn't have him check back to help. I, I don't think they expected to see him alone at the base of a diamond and thus never really came to grips with what to do um, until after the second half. And you remember, you know, 13 seconds in the second half, the U.S. went from three to four, nothing up. So, the game kind of fall, like there's no tactical thing that Honduras can do at that point. That's going to salvage that game. Um, so they were, they were unprepared for it, but, but it still takes a lot for a player to control that zone. Um, so, so conclusively. And I think, uh, as much as Altador was, um, one of the, he had sort of an unsung hero kind of performance. Bradley did too. Um, And I think not just his passing game, but the defensive side of it where, um, you know, they rehearse this lineup, I assume, in training plenty with Legette and Nagby on either side of him. Legette goes down injured in the 18th minute. You have Alejandro Bedoya coming in. And Bedoya, this is probably the best position for him in any formation. Uh, The right side of a diamond is probably what he is best at, um, which we'll probably talk about how he doesn't play that with Philadelphia Union later. Um, But... The fact that that happened, it might have thrown Bradley off. It might have thrown the whole U.S. team off because the diamond is such a intricate formation with all the rotations that are involved in terms of what you do defensively, what you do when you when you're in possession. Um, but I think Bradley really steadied any any nerves that would have come with that because it was still only one nothing when that sub happened. It was one nothing, and for about ten minutes, I would say from the tenth to twentieth minute, that was the one stretch of the game where I was actually uncomfortable with what Honduras uh, was actually putting together. And so that that could have been a turning point in the game, that sub and having to adjust to that. But I think Bradley was especially good in, in that the the minutes that followed that and really um, steadied the ship. And then obviously he scored the second goal, which kind of helps things a little bit. Um, but, yeah. you know, even if that shot doesn't go in, if Doniz Escobar gets over and makes the save, which I feel like uh, a younger goalkeeper gets to. Uh, I'm sorry to my fellow old uh, Doniz Escobar, but he's actually <laughs> older than me. Um, I still think that without that goal, if that goal gets saved, we're still talking about Bradley, um, steadying a game that, that was at that, just that little opening where it could have maybe let Honduras back in and he made sure that he was a big factor in making sure that that door got shut again. So, um, kind of the exact performance that he needed, um, with the national team after, you know, the last two, two qualifiers, he wasn't very good. So stepping up in the right direction and, and you know, just like everybody else under Arena looking so much better, which is kind of the job of a coach to make your players look as good as they can.
0: Yeah, and we're actually going to give Bruce uh, a little bit of short shrift tonight. We'll try to talk about him next week when we have two World Cup qualifiers under under his new circa 2017 belt. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about with this before we bring Josie on is is the left side of, of the formation, which had Jorge Viafania and Darlington Nagby, and in the first half they had a grand total of zero misplaced passes. They had a hundred percent passing rate uh during the first half and pretty close to it in the yeah, second. They, they did miss a pass here and there they, in the second they
2: both yeah. missed three three passes apiece in the second half. Total.
0: It's a it's a major step down.
2: Yeah terrible over the course of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: I think for both of them, this was their, um, world cup qualifying debut or, or damn close to it. So this was, this was a nice performance to see, especially knowing, um, that that left fullback spot is, is basic, basically an open competition.
2: Yeah. With, um, uh, with DeMarcus Beasley, who, who may still end up playing, uh, on the road in Panama, uh, tomorrow we're recording on Monday. So tomorrow night, yeah, we've Um,
0: been told to expect four to five, right? uh changes in the starting 11. Uh one will obviously be Sebastian Laget, yeah. but that leaves or other ones. John Brooks is another John
3: one. John Brooks, who yeah.
0: yeah. Uh so so that's yeah, a couple, but th- that left back position could definitely be right. Right. Ball. And
2: it's not a bad idea to freshen up on the wings if you're playing a diamond anyway, your fullbacks have a lot to do. Um so it's a good idea with with games that close together it, it it's weird uh, thinking of it when your second game is on a Tuesday, but it is a short week for the U.S., um, so they have to look at it from that angle as well. But um, I think overall, they both really they put themselves forward as uh, viable candidates for those positions long-term. Now, Nagby's going to have a problem keeping that role when Fabian Johnson comes back, even though Arena has said he views Johnson as a fullback. Um, I think we've seen Jurgen Klinsmann go back and forth on that one as well, so... Um, I think Fabian Johnson's that player where he is what you need him to be at the time. Um, So we might see him play fullback. We might see him play in the midfield again. Um, And and maybe he stays as a fullback if Nagby keeps producing games like this. This is kind of what people talk – maybe not the, the technical skill in the final third where he's had flashes of it. It's come and gone. But the ability to just be such a reliable option in possession, to be able to play him the ball in – extremely crowded areas um, where where there are two or three players around him, and you can pass him the ball and you, you can get it back. Um, your team's not going to – that's not going to be a turnover for you. Um, that's a valuable thing. It's one of those things that doesn't – it doesn't show up anywhere. It just looks like a completed pass. It's no big deal. But when you're on the field in a game and you have that player on your team that you can pass to in traffic uh, while you're under pressure and they can find another option and keep the possession going – it's huge it's huge for you and it kind of it's an energy suck over time for the other team they keep trying to pressure this guy they keep making the extra effort and they keep not getting anything out of it it's discouraging and it also it's extra sprints you know all those yards pile up um and it's sort of how you tire a team out um when you're trying to keep the ball so i thought he was very uh, very i wouldn't say excellent but very strong um Via Fania, i think the same i've been banging that drum for years I, i'm glad that we're finally at the point where we have a coach who is willing to give him a shot um, rather than just inexplicably not wanting to play him. Um, I think he didn't have much to do. Um, Andy Nahar was pretty subdued in this one. We have to say Um, Honduras overall was just kind of a mess. They couldn't get anything going from Brian Bekeleus, who's normally a pretty good attacking fullback um, down the right. So they should have, they should have been able to do something on the right and they just were unable. And, and
0: yeah, it was weird. I, we talked about this while we were watching the game, Jason, it was, it was like they saw um, Jeff Cameron converted to a right back and said that is yeah. where we need to focus our attack, even though their strongest players were on the right. Uh, I, I. And so it was more they were trying to attack a a weakness they saw in the U.S. lineup rather than playing to their own right. strengths. And and, I, and it, it obviously didn't work. For no, them.
2: and I think part of that too is that Romo Kyoto has been in such good form with Houston that. Um, right. they may have said, you know, he's the hot hand right now, but of course he didn't even get to halftime after that shoulder or collarbone injury, uh, whatever it ended up being. Um, but yeah, I, it was, a, it was a curious choice. I think the formation for Honduras made sense, but some of the, the things implemented within that were curious to say the least. Um, they did not, it clearly didn't work. I mean, it's six, nothing, uh, <laughs> this was a night where nothing worked for Honduras at all. Um, but yeah, it it was a little odd for them to go so heavily towards that side when you have Viefanya is what three or four caps, and I think I think he it was making his qualifying debut um, versus Andy Nahar. I mean that's that's one that jumps off the page. It's almost like they overthought it and they're like, no, that's too easy. Um, let's catch them by surprise by doing this, and it didn't work at all. Which sometimes you overthink you know, things, and this is what happens. Um, but yeah, I think I think both both uh, Nagbe and Viafana they really it was a good audition for future appearances, um, and I think it bodes well for them. I mean, when everyone's healthy, I don't know that they're both starting, but it's pretty nice. It's a pretty nice fallback plan to have if because Fabian Johnson, let's be honest, does get injured fairly often, um, more often than he's normal. He's
0: fantastic when he's on the field, but right. Um, that's that's the way. right,
2: and so. If you have a player that's that important to your team, but he's injury prone, you'd better have good backups. And it looks like whether he's left back or he's left midfield, the U.S. has two very strong options to spell him uh, on the occasions where he does have some sort of injury problem.
0: And on that note, we will uh, pack it in for, for this game. We'll have more to talk about the U.S., I'm sure, next week. Uh, we will be right back to talk with Josie Becker about the Major League Soccer Western Conference. So stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben. Um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me.
3: Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile?
0: Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But But if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or, or do something else. Oh, nefarious you are. In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, As regular listeners heard several weeks ago, we had our uh, Eastern Conference preview before the season, but procrastinators that we are, we waited until three slash four weeks into the season to do the Western Conference. Um, Well, that and we wanted a reason to bring Josie Becker back on the show because she's one of our favorite guests and she is back. Uh, from the West Coast to to help us out with the Western Conference. Josie, welcome back.
4: Hi, uh, so happy to be here. I love the podcast, so it's always a great time when I get to come and chat with y'all. You know what's coming next. What are you drinking? I am currently drinking a lovely Red Trolley Ale by Carl Strauss. It is a San Diego brew pub, um, which uh, only sells in the state of California. So,
0: Oh, wow. If- you have to pull that exclusive card on us, huh?
4: I I wanted to represent my my people and uh b- bring you a gift from from our tribe. <laughs> Is there any chance that
0: Red Trolley was in Landon Donovan's system when he jumped off of a taco truck?
4: This uh weekend? quite possibly. Um Landon <laughs> Donovan makes several decisions that could easily be explained by a uh, propensity to to drink Red Trolley. And on that note, let's talk about some
0: soccer. Uh what we'll we'll get we'll go team by team here in a second. What is the biggest story, the biggest theme you've noticed through uh the early season in the Western Conference this year?
4: Well, it kind of started out I mean, FC Dallas for me is the big story. Like they had a great run last year, probably should have been an MLS Cup, but you know, fell a little short um and now they kind of they kind of started again this season on, on that same foot they're in the champions league they're doing well um when I from what I saw of them uh in the home opener like they they're still just as fast um you know they, they play the counter pretty much better than anyone in the league right now so Dallas is a big story uh Portland and Houston have both had good starts which you know they were kind of had a, uh, last year so that's a Seeing their resurgence is really nice. I know Portland kind of fell short in this uh, why is anyone playing soccer weekend of last weekend, but they, they tried their darndest, and uh, <laughs> even without important players like Darlington Nagby, which, you know, is helpful when you're trying to win soccer games. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm liking their starts. Um, I'm liking seeing Kubo Torres is kind of making a comeback with Houston. Um, And that's really uh, been fun to see.
0: So I I am publicly on record as saying that FC Dallas should be basically any MLS fans number two team, unless you're from Dallas, then they should probably be your your number one team Uh, or from Houston, in which case you hate Dallas. But for everyone else outside of the state of Texas, I think there's a good case that FC Dallas should be your number two team. And this is the rare MLS team in Champions League that I find myself really rooting for. I've never gotten behind the MLS for RSL or MLS for Montreal campaigns. I'm selfish. I want DC United to be the international standard bearer for Major League Soccer. But Dallas, I find myself getting behind. What makes them so rootable and and so good at the same time?
4: Well, first off, MLS from Montreal was just perfect because they were this team that like shouldn't have done anything. And then they were like, good in this one tournament. And it was just like, oh. It's like when a dog learns to like walk on a hind legs, and you're like, dog, you don't need to do that. You're already <laughs> perfect. But like, oh, look at you. Um, uh, so yeah, uh that aside, uh, yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. Like, SC Dallas have been doing MLS the right way for a long time, right? Like they're scouting uh, in Central and South America, pretty much they set the standard for that, um, and their youth system has been producing results better than uh, you know most teams in the league. Um, and that was even before we had the U- whole USL system. So I am totally on board. Uh, FC Dallas, you know, finally getting that that uh, that MLS Cup that has just burned that franchise for so long, and really. <laughs> It's just time for them to 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 finally get that trophy.
3: So, Josie, I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, and I want to just talk a little bit about the poor, poor Minnesota United.
0: bump oh. bum, bum ba, dum.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is actually I mean... that 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 those sad horns at the end there actually <laughs> modeled on the Call of the Loon.
4: <laughs> True story. Uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's obvious that uh, they didn't do a good job of signing players who can actually play soccer games in Major League Soccer. Uh, and, But I, I really want to concentrate on their coach because Adrian Heath took an expansion franchise and was okay in one year and then was a disaster in his second year. So why did Minnesota do this? And do you think he survives this season? And do you think they'll actually give up 153 goals like they're on pace for right now?
4: Uh, well, see, I, I've watched like from start to finish, I've watched one Minnesota game and I've gotten bits and pieces of their, their worst outings. Um, the one I happened to catch from start to finish was their loan. Did they end up winning? No, it was the draw. No. Um, you know, the, it was the draw. Yeah. Um, but they had they had a lead for one minute. And it was a very exciting <laughs> minute. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the things that Minnesota have done right is the same thing that Orlando did right. Like, they have Molino. Like, that's the one thing that they've done right. Um, yeah. So Heath is really good at signing Molino. Um, <laughs> but but otherwise, like, there's, you know, like, Minnesota doesn't have caca. Like, that's a big difference. Um so, you know, that'll that'll set some people back. Uh, and I think when their offense has looked good, you know, when Superman and whatever the other dude is, whatever superhero he chose, I can't Bat- remember right Batman. now. Batman. Batman, Superman and Batman, which are, aren't supposed to get along. They, they're arch enemies, whatever. So anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. That could be the problem. But their, their offense shows potential. Um, and that's what I saw in the, in the game that I saw the whole way through. The defense is just a shambles. Like, it's not even... It's, it's it's baffling how bad that defense the back line is um and Adrian I a team has a a bad defense it's shocking. is that what you're saying it's shocking i know but, I, it, it's really hard to comprehend um but if if atlanta wasn't doing so well i don't think we would notice how bad minnesota i mean they'll still be like historically tragic but it'd be like <laughs> oh they're an expansion team like they're supposed to be bad like oh look at these two bad teams but it's we're kind of looking at it like, oh, look, this, this is a really good version of an expansion team. And this is a really bad expansion team. And it makes them look so much worse in comparison.
3: So do you think they have any chance of, uh do you, do you think Heath has any chance of surviving this, like, to the end of the season?
4: Oh, I mean, like, what else could they do? Like, if they were going to... Yeah. Like, they can't just get rid of him right away, right? They're not RSL where they can go, like, oh, we'll get rid of Cesar, and then, like, maybe we'll, we'll catch our second win. Like, this is a guy you just hired. And you have to at least get through the year. Um, and then you can't... If you give him the year, you have to give him a chance to really have, like, a good transfer window and see what'll happen. I think he might get fired early next year, but he definitely gets at least one offseason uh, with the full team.
3: And then I guess my other question for now... Just moving to another bad uh, Western Conference team is... Uh... Chivas USA? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Jeff Kassar, uh, Carl Robinson was hired at the same time as Jeff Kassar, and his Vancouver Whitecaps have been secretly terrible for a while. And what, what's going on? Just explain the Whitecaps to me. I don't understand the Whitecaps. They baffle me. I understand the other Canadian teams; they make sense, but this one, I just, I just don't get.
4: Well, the Whitecaps, what they had that that one really good run, and then everyone was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, they're, the Whitecaps are doing some things right up there." But no one had been paying attention to them before then, <laughs> so they didn't really understand what they were even when they were good. It was just like, "Oh, the Whitecaps are good now; we have to pay attention to that team." Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't. I didn't pay attention to them before, and I'm barely, barely paying attention <laughs> to them now. Um, but I think just they got older and people, st- they started to lose pieces from that team and I have seen no replacements and there's been no, you know, there's been no buzz make me go like, oh yeah, the Whitecaps, they just signed this guy and they're going to start turning it around. It's just been like, oh, they're all leaving. They've all gone. It's like a party <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like starting to do cleanup and you're like, oh yeah, that was fun when we had a party like, like five minutes ago. Now everyone's gone and they have to clean up stuff. Like this is boring. Is it-
2: Is it better or worse uh, when your party is clearly ending and everyone's leaving to try and insist that it is still going? uh, Or is it better to just let them go?
4: I mean, there's something like brilliant black comedy and like someone's trying to like still dance as people are like leaving and just like trying to pull people out the door. No, please. Come on. But like I just I don't know. I think it's better to just accept fate and try to party again. You know, they say party on, but sometimes you just have to stop the party and party again another day. You have to remember, when it's time to party, we will party
0: hard. That doesn't mean you keep partying after it's time to party.
2: (laughs) Or otherwise you get partied out, which Wayne's World taught us about. You don't want to be partied out.
4: You don't want to be Uh, partied out. It's very, very, very (laughs) tragic when that happens. Um josie, I guess i'll go
2: uh right to the team that you know the best uh the l a galaxy uh a ton of changes this off season uh Kurt and came in, which as d c united <laughs> fans ben is kind of spoiling what i was going to say as d c united fans we're all kind of uh enjoying even though even though we like you, we do not like the galaxy so um his his ascension to the, the uh position of head coach is kind of a delight out here. Um, But it wasn't just Anolfo. It's kind of a major cultural change. A lot of players in and out as well. Um, Romain Alessandrini came in as a designated player. Um, Jermaine Jones was signed in the offseason. It wasn't like a bunch of players left and no one came in. It's just a a much, much different team top to bottom. How do you feel about that overall? Is is it uh, something you see working out down the road or is it something that you're kind of scratching your head over?
4: Uh, so first off, let me just pat myself on the back. We went seven minutes. I didn't bring up the Galaxy. It's I'm true. doing a great job being objective. Yes. I am now an objective. That's why journalist. we brought you on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let me let me go back to my LAG confidential days and talk about this club. Um, I don't know. I, I think an awful... <sighs> I mean, okay. That's so... right. That guy <laughs> is completely correct. <laughs> like, I... I, I... Get it? I get the whole thing. Like you had, he was the head coach of Galaxy Two. Um, they're moving to a system where, I mean, yes, there's a lot of injuries, but we've seen like every single person who's gotten injured has been replaced by a Galaxy Two guy. So like, clearly, that's the plan: is they want to go and start using these youth players that they've uh, brought up through the academy uh, and that have been working in their system, um, which is you know what we praise FC Dallas for, um, but. I, don't, I just there's a there's a gap in i don't know they're, they're not ready yet and all i've seen in watching them play is that they're not ready yet um and you know if an awful doesn't get some of these guys back um if the galaxy don't make that big splashy offseason signing of uh, zlatan ibrahimović which is highly rumored and is probably going to happen um you know, I don't see an awful last lasting of the year. Like he's the he's the guy that gets the memory of Bruce Arena out of your out of your brain. You know, he's like he's 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 the rebound guy. <laughs> is that short-term exactly. rebound? He
0: he's, he's the he, guy he, he's the one you know is a mistake, but it's safe and you kinda you know roll with it for a little while and then you get
4: your head straight. You know and... who else
3: coached a USL team and is now coaching an MLS?
4: Adrian, he. <laughs> I, oh, I,
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, not that there's a pattern or anything.
2: That wasn't a reserved um, team, at least. Do, do you yeah. think that Ibrahimovic can knock uh, Jack McBean out of the lineup? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> there There was this moment um, when Alison Drini had just come over and we're kind of doing our first interview with him. Um, and, you know, he speaks. Pretty solid English, um, and he's, uh, you know, fun to talk with. Uh, but we asked him, like, you know, have you gotten to know your teammates and stuff? And he's like, I, I, I know, like, Geo, like, <laughs> like, that was the only guy he really knew. But it's, he had just come, but obviously, like, it wasn't like these USL guys were someone that they were like, hey, you really want to play with Jack McBean? Like, it's going to be, like, a super awesome time. You need to come to LA Galaxy. Um, that wasn't the pitch. Uh, and that's not going to be the pitch for Ibrahimović. Uh, and I mean, we all read the Beckham book. We know his, his whole situation with those guys. So it's, LA's had that thing for a long time where there's these big European names that come over and they're here, yeah, to be a part of the team and to be a part of MLS, but at the same time, they don't know these guys. This is not what they were <laughs> coming over here to do. There's not no excitement around that, um, You've asked me if he's going to replace Jack McBean. And I got all serious on you on the second. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> that, that was a mistake. <laughs> um, yes, he's going to replace Jack McBean. Duh. <laughs> um, I guess uh,
2: another team that comes to mind, kind of, um, you mentioned earlier their uh, result against Minnesota, the only team that hasn't scored a billion goals on Minnesota and beaten them. Um, last year, Colorado did really well despite sort of strangling soccer to death every time they got the chance um it seems like that is the only that there's not like a a next step beyond that uh in Colorado but it also seems like they're still adequate at it give or take uh bad results against Minnesota at home uh do you think that they can actually make the playoffs again uh replicate their 2016 success playing that that such limited soccer I guess is the best way to put it
4: well, that that game for Colorado uh, against Minnesota was the first time they had given up multiple goals at home, I think like in over in a calendar year. Yeah. It's um, it's it just, was bizarre.
2: It,
4: <laughs> but at the same time, like it wasn't like they were winning five one, four one at home. Like you're right. absolutely right. It was just these really defensively minded grind em out kind of games. Um and it's they still have the personnel to do it. They got Tim Howard in goal and he can, you know, stand on his head. Um so I think they're a club that at this point, like, they'll be a playoff team. They'll be a solid team. But you eventually there's a point where you have to score goals in order to advance. And I think that's where they came up short last year. And that's where they'll keep coming up short um, and until they find someone who's really a, a chance creator up top, someone that can do something, someone that can make a highlight reel. Like, you know, MLS teams need that guy that the defenses kind of allow for that. You know, we don't really have a lot of shut down defenses in MLS uh, outside of Colorado, ironically. Um, (laughs) And then they wouldn't
0: let Minnesota (laughs) score a couple goals on them.
4: (laughs) Well, again, one was a penalty kick. Um, so, you know, you can, you can make the argument that they still have only let in that one, uh, run of play goal.
0: Let's keep it in the Rocky mountains. Um, RSL won the sack race this year, firing Jeff Kassar uh, three games into a season um, just a after few they months gave him- after giving him a contract yeah. extension.
4: What the hell is going on in Salt Lake City? You know, Salt Lake is really interesting to me because like, and again, like it's all through the lens of that team that I'm a Certainly partisan too. I'm trying not to say, um, but I did watch their season end last year um, at the Subhub Center, and uh, I was doing interviews on the away side of the game. And I remember asking, uh, so you know, you, they have that that long-standing trio of Raimondo and Backerman um, and and Javier uh, Morales, Javier Morales, who. And I was kind of like, Are you going to be able to keep that together? Um, you've, they already started chipping away at some of that core that you know has been there since forever. Um but then they lost Morales and Beckerman's getting older and older. Ramondo's getting older and older. It feels like there was such an emphasis in keeping that core together. Um and and when I asked, like they the answer was, yeah, we want to try and keep that together. Like we haven't done negotiations or anything yet, but like this is not the end of an era. But clearly it was. Um and, you know, I RSL needs to do more chipping away at that and just, you know, kind of admit some defeat for this season and work on getting that changeover. Do
0: you think Mike Pecky is the guy? Uh, Obviously he was, he was hired to coach rail Monarchs, their USL side, but he hasn't been named head coach of the first team in the, the couple weeks since, uh, or at least the week plus since Jeff Cassar was let go is is he there really just to coach the the reserve team?
4: I mean, I I think for, just for cost cutting reasons alone, like you're not gonna go and find anyone to coach your MLS team in what is it, late March now? Like all the, he's he's it as far as options, and he's affordable because he's already in your system. So like that's he's gonna be the guy, um, but. I don't know. I remember when the galaxy promoted an awful. I was kind of like, you know, how many examples do you have of your reserve team coach taking over the the full team? And someone was like, oh, well, Pep Guardiola was a reserve team coach. I'm like, okay, so like, <laughs> he took over Barcelona and <laughs> and then coached Bayern Munich. Like, clearly. He had some talent in his veins, Um, but, you know, USL is a different beast, and trying to win in USL versus trying to win in MLS are completely different, so So I don't think these guys are long-term solutions. They're just cheap stopgaps.
3: So you're trying to say that Kurt Anolfo is Pep Guardiola? That's Uh, what I heard. I'm
4: making a (laughs) one-to-one comparison. (laughs) Clearly. Um, So it's only a matter of time until the Galaxy uh, start playing like Barcelona.
0: So we've talked about the the coaches at RSL. What about on the field? What's what's not working for them right now? Because they've looked like a a really poor facsimile of even what they were last year.
4: Yeah, I mean the 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 replacements haven't uh, really stepped up the way that they they need to yet. I mean, and the talent is still there. Like they've got Mofisian, Um they've got uh, some some guys that can score some goals. Uh, but I think until they kind of make the, the wholesale changes, uh you're just kind of running in stasis. You know, it's a it it the, the car needs more than a tune up. The, <laughs> the car needs a new engine. <laughs> um a car that seemed
0: to get a new engine over the offseason is is the Houston Dynamo. Um mostly it's it seems to be down to, you know, a couple of personnel changes and a new head coach. And and my first question is, is Vilmer Cabrera the Cubo Whisperer? Because Cubo Torres, I don't think, has scored a goal in MLS for any other head coach. Or if he has, it hasn't. Don't been. forget
2: El
3: Chalice.
0: Alright, he did score goals for El Chalice, but Chalice is is a special circumstance. <laughs> he didn't score any goals for Houston last year. Um hasn't didn't look like himself, and this year he's he's Cubo Torres again.
4: Uh so to uh, you know, try and earn uh back the favor of uh Alicia uh, after spurning Chivas in the and earlier. <laughs> let me do a positive Chivas statement that like clearly Chivas had some talent that was not being utilized properly, um, and clearly they're on the same page there, and uh, I'm. It's good to see Kubo being the Kubo that we kind of saw at those last stages uh, of Chivas because. That's the guy that Houston signed. And it made no sense why Houston wasn't able to get that out of him before. Um, uh, Maybe it is just uh, Cabrera kind of working that magic on him, but like, he's a very talented forward. Cabrera seems to have them in almost a Montreal
0: impact kind of of setup where they defend very deep and they, they counter just lethally uh, through their, their wings and, and their forwards. So, with Kyoto going down against the U S for Honduras this weekend, I'm not sure if or how long he's going to be out with that collarbone issue, but if he's out, can the dynamo stay as lethal on the break? Because he's just been almost unplayable.
4: Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, so much of that, uh, (laughs) that, uh, Honduras team is with the Dynamo, right? Like, it's always kind of interesting yeah. how that <laughs> like works. Yeah, it's like half their roster. Half their roster. <laughs> uh, MLS All-Stars versus the Dynamo uh, went really well over the weekend. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see.
3: So, we've made it this far somehow without talking about the defending MLS Cup champions. Uh, the Seattle Sounders, obviously.
4: Who who won MLS Cup last year? Uh, Toronto FC, I believe. Oh, oh okay, okay. I uh, you know, I haven't heard seen on Twitter enough uh, about that uh, MLS. Yeah, topic. yeah. I, I don't. I, 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 d- I kind of forget sometimes.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I never see anything about anything Seattle on the internet. So no,
0: but yeah, uh, like yeah. no web presence It's really spooky. Yeah, yeah. They they certainly don't have the biggest, most popular, SB the, Nation MLS blog. They're,
2: their it's... MLS is secret team. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. You have yeah, I mean, to knock they, on
2: the door at CenturyLink Field the right way or they won't let you in. Yeah. Ooh. Wait, CenturyLink Field. I've I've been
0: to the International District in in no, Seattle. I didn't much. notice a giant stadium already. there. I had some fantastic sushi at a 100-year restaurant, but I don't remember a stadium.
3: So, they started off a little slow, but the, in their last game they hilariously defeated the uh New York Red Bulls, which made all of us happy, obviously. Um do you think they? Do you think they can repeat the magic? Do you think they can? Well, not even just repeat the magic. Do you think they can be a good team all year long? Now that they have Nico Ladero in place and Dempsey back, and really make their stamp on the on the season and not pull a regular MLS, get hot late and win the cup.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny, right? Like the the Sounders. Went and won an MLS Cup without Clint Dempsey, essentially. And, like, it's, yeah. that's all down to Legero and how amazing he was. And, like, if you talked to any Boca fans, like, they could have told you, like, yeah, no, he's going to be brilliant. Like, don't worry about it. Um, and so I think there's going to be that adjustment period now because Dempsey wasn't there. Now you've got to figure, like, okay, so how does Dempsey play with Legero? Um, and that might take a little bit, but I think they're, they're going to be fine. They're a great team. And they'll probably, you know, be a, a one two three seed coming into the playoffs
3: and do you think jordan morris ends the season in seattle or do you think he somebody comes with a big money offer over this over the summer
4: you know i just i feel like there was that wave right where all the u.s national team kind of like young players were starting to go over you know you had a that kind of money chasing situation, and then they all kind of ended up coming back because they weren't getting right. any time with their European clubs. I think that the that older model has changed. Like it's much more beneficial for Jordan Morris to stay in Seattle and get the minutes than try and make it over in Europe without some kind of guarantee of of getting those sustained minutes. Um, so I think. Especially with Bruce Arena as a head coach. Like Bruce is not going to encourage anyone to go. He's not cleansman going like, No, you must go to that's a bad cleansman.
3: <laughs> was that was that Cleansman Dracula?
4: <laughs> no, you must go to Europe. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but like but Bruce Arena is you know, he's he believes in MLS. He he's kind of a US first kind of guy, so he's going to encourage uh those kinds of players to stay here, to get their minutes, because um, he knows the league can, I mean, do just fine in producing really good talent. Uh, the January camp was a lot of it was a lot of fun this year, because there's a lot of people that had kind of been ignored, uh, or in getting a second chance, and guys that we've seen in MLS do really good jobs. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll be uh, re-signing with Seattle and sticking around for a while, just like Chiassi's artist at the Galaxy, because he had Bruce to tell him Europe, it's not so cool. <laughs> the they eat, they eat croissants, they smoke cigarettes. They're all like on we all the time. Sorry, Europe, that was mean. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm
2: sure all of Europe accepts uh, your apology, uh, having listened to this podcast
4: about an American soccer team. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, up till now, like election, yeah, well, we Brexit, just lost them. whatever, yeah. they loved us, but this one moment where I well. said that they have ennui, <laughs> lost Europe forever. And that is how filibuster
0: started a really, really minor international incident. It's about like, time we had an international incident. Most <laughs> minor. Not even they're, they're crazy or they're upset, they just have ennui. <laughs> <laughs> Which is literally the definition of France.
4: I mean, clearly, in my description of Europe, I was not describing all of Europe. It was like France and maybe a little bit of Belgium. You know, like, (laughs) the rest of Europe is not all ennui and croissants, you know? They got the house music in Germany, and England's all rainy and sad. Like, there's many different types of Europe. I feel like (laughs) we're just digging the whole (laughs) thing. Well, look, it's an international
2: incident. It doesn't just one thing. You have to keep going. It's true. You if, we want, if we want our little
0: podcast to cause an international incident, we really have to double down.
4: Yeah. You really do. Um I I would start mispronouncing the names of English Premier League teams, but it actually <laughs> hurt my heart as well, and I just can't <laughs> I can't go there. Oh,
2: I guess speaking of uh enduring uh wars that will never ever end, uh our our cultural battle with Europe uh aside. Um, we already talked about the sounders uh we 'll have to go a little north in Ca- or a little south in Cascadia to the uh, Portland timbers um, They have put together a, a, a defense that is sort of kind of ridiculous, but uh their front six is ridiculous in the the way you would want to be ridiculous uh, How impressed have you been with that uh, that midfield and attack
4: we 're talking about Portland or Seattle right now Portland yeah Portland was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I already, t- I already bragged on Nags. Uh, I I like daughter the Nags me a lot. Um, you know, I think I've been I've been impressed with Portland. I mean, even before the MLS Cup run, um, which was probably a little premature, but you know, still deserved. Like they, they have a really good core, and I like Caleb Porter a lot. Like he's just kind of one of those um... soccer minds. <laughs> <laughs> ahem so i like (laughs) caleb porter a lot (laughs) i think he's got one of those soccer minds that you just kind of go okay you're bringing some some fresh ideas to the table um and he's he he's had them uh pretty much since he got there like playing some brilliant soccer um i guess when i think about the timbers right
2: now i think of the fact that Diego Valeri has, if I'm not mistaken, all of his goals are on headers, which is bizarre on a team that has Fernando Adi. Um, is, is, is that their, their, I guess their overall attack? I mean, they've already got 10 goals in, what, 10 goals in four games? Or am I missing one? Um, I might be missing one. It's a lot of goals, uh, especially when we cover a team that has zero goals so far. Um, is that sustainable? Do you think that they can keep scoring goals like that with Valeri and Audi and, and Sebastian Blanco coming in and having a lot of success already as well?
4: Wait, is that true? DC United has not scored a goal yet this year? No. We have not scored a goal that, that yet this year. Fraction. Dude, you guys yeah. got to score some goals like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it turns
2: out... Hashtag analysis. <laughs> it turns out it's important to score goals to win at soccer. It,
4: oh the, the lack God. of goals has meant no wins. Because... Yeah, I mean, I feel like those two things would like unless you had like a negative one game, but like wow, you actually scored some goals. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, yeah, no, like they, they're doing really well, and it's I mean, I like the Audi, like Audi, you know, he only scores uh, uh, some you know some pretty great goals. Uh, I think Valeri kind of showing a different side of his game, which is interesting. Um, but it shows you just how dynamic they are. Like, there's just no limit to the ways that Portland can score on you. And that's been the
3: case for a little bit. So the last team, I'm pretty sure the last team that we no, have no. not yet
0: mentioned. Nope. There's, there's two teams there's
3: left. Two. Uh, well, nobody cares about the other one we haven't mentioned yet. <laughs> <laughs> there, Where's the other one? Well, oh. the one I'm about to mention is the fighting Peter Vermeeses. And the one no one cares about is the fighting Dom Kinnears.
4: I gotcha. I see I see where we're going with this. This is Uh, the kind of podcast this is gonna be, I see. (laughs) You're an (laughs) LA fan. Why are you why are you throwing shade at Shade
0: about the Quakes?
4: I'm not okay. I look I went up to Avaya Stadium on Friday. Like I drove up there and drove back the same day to watch the US destroy Honduras. It was really brilliant. And I stand I stood in the stands with a, a Quakes fan who recognized me from my Twitter profile, which was like, oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> um, and he was—he came up to me, and he's like, oh, I was kind of intimidated to talk to you because you're a, a galaxy pundit. And I'm like, dude, like, the Quakes are whatever. Like, I have no <laughs> – that was like 10, 15 years ago when there was animosity. Like, its it, we can hug. Like, this is chill. I'm good, <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good with these people.
3: Uh, and now we've talked about the Quakes. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the the fighting Peter Vermees is, is
4: Right. Just, is, it's, it's, it's.
3: I mean is there they're just gonna be the same as they always are, right? They're gonna be they're gonna try and run your asses off the field and be mean and be rude and just be the physical embodiment of Peter Vermese, right?
4: I-, I liked how last year Vermees used uh, Zusi as a right back once. And then Bruce Irwin was like, they did it against me and I liked it. I thought that was a great idea. Zusi hold, you hold are my now <laughs> <laughs> Zusi you are now a right back. And Zusi was like, oh, whatever, I'll do whatever it takes. And then Vermees was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Where'd you get that idea from? Oh, it was my idea? Okay, well, you're right-back now. Um, And, I mean, yeah, they're going to be Kansas City. They're going to be the same team that we've seen for a while. But now with right-back Zeusi. Like, that's that's something uh, exciting to uh, to witness. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, people's earphones. That I just blew out your earballs, But... That was a fucking one. That was a very good job. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, that was <laughs> no, not that exciting. <laughs> um,
2: I guess the one question since we we already kind of dismissed the earthquakes. I just want to bring up one thing as a sort of a joke: um, the fact that uh, one of their I don't know if you I think he's a Tam signing a Hika has been called the Albanian Messi. Um, how <laughs> how amused are you when? These random players who are good, good soccer players get the unfortunate tag of being their country's Messi when they are obviously not Messi equivalent or even in like the same. Uh, I was going to say ballpark, but like the same municipality as uh, Messi or similar players.
4: Well, not even just countries, right? Like we had Stanford Messi with Morris for a, for a, for a while there. Yeah. Um, I, I I like how Messi has just become shorthand for like. A pretty decent creative player, which like <laughs> seems seems a weird endpoint for uh you know one of the greatest players of our generation.
0: I think um, you are overlimiting. I think you're overlimiting um the whatever country, whatever location, Messi by saying that it has to be a decent player because we had the <laughs> Indonesian Messi, Siam Saralam on DC United and. While he was, while he was there no Andrea Mancini, he was no Andrea Mancini, <laughs> but he was not exactly a decent player either. Uh,
4: but at the same time, like, is it all that different from like, a whole bunch of rock magazines going, oh, the next Beatles, and like, there's never been a next Beatles, there was barely even a Beatles, like, the myth of the Beatles is bigger than the Beatles ever was. Um, or, you know, all this, like, oh, this is the next Magic Johnson, and you're like, no, that's, no, that's never, No. So I like at least now we're doing it with active, you know, actively playing players where you can kind of go like, oh, they're like a, a messy type. Um, but they never they usually aren't, which is really weird. Um, I think it's, it usually comes from people who don't actually watch soccer and just know like that messy is like, oh, that's, that's a name. He's good. That messy guy. Um, Although why is it never the the
3: Albanian Cristiano Ronaldo? Because
4: that's got too many syllables. Uh, probably. <laughs> oh, we're lazy. Way. It's yeah. got to be short and succinct. If you're trying to do a shorthand, and, you can't make the shorthand but, longer.
3: And no one's as beautiful as Ronaldo. So, like, Messi's kind of funny looking, so anybody can be a Messi. Uh,
4: and, be, he's, um... he's a little messy. He's a little messy, and that's, a, <laughs> that's an easier thing to shoot for than being Cristiano Ronaldo. See, Ben, that pun was
0: better than your pun earlier. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> On that note,
3: you're Josie, not, thanks for you're not, you're not around,
0: Adam. <laughs> Damn it, Ben. <laughs> Josie, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners uh where they can find your stuff on the internet?
4: Um, well, on the internet of things, um on on Twitter, you can find me at Josie Becker FC. Um right now it's currently WrestleMania week, so you're probably going to get like 50/50 soccer content and wrestling content. <laughs> I'm just A warning on that one um my instagram is the same um and if you're on facebook mom like shut it down there's no need to (laughs) (laughs) it's the only person on facebook is all of our mothers yeah my mother is on facebook it's true
0: (laughs) (laughs) so is mine facebook facebook at this point and i'm completely guilty of this facebook at this point is baby pictures that's what it's for
4: pretty much uh if you have linkedin um, you can find me um, there as well, uh, Fredster. Uh, if you want to fire that up, my, my MySpace uh, might still be active. I think my MySpace was Rockin' Josie, uh, with an, an uh, which was also my AIM handle. Uh, if you want to find me on AOL Instant Messenger, I'm sorry. Someone stop me. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> going to stop you, but only to ask you, what's your ICQ number? <laughs>
3: Oh, no, you will broke Josie?
4: I, I don't remember. It's been too long, but I definitely had an ICQ. I had that one where, like, it had the ICQ, the AIM, and like your Yahoo chat all in the same yeah. little. Thing. Oh really? yeah, I
3: had that. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: All right. Before yeah. before this devolves into a pre-social media conversation, even further, I'm going to cut it off. We will be right back to talk with Eugene Rapinski about DC United versus the Philadelphia Union after this. Stick around, it's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United's homestand resumes after the international break this Saturday, 7 p.m. RFK Stadium against the Philadelphia Union. In a preview that we have Eugene Rapinski from BrotherlyGame.com on to help us out. Eugene, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: First time guest, this is the most important question you're going to get all night. <laughs> what are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking tea. What drinking. kind of tea? <laughs> it is uh, Egyptian licorice from, Yo- from Yogi, I think is the one that makes it. Okay. I don't know. It's, uh, is it it's just licorice?
3: licorice? Yeah, I think so. I
4: mean, okay.
2: Ben I is, know, ben it's is it's our, it's our a- resident tea expert.
3: Yeah. No chamomile? No
1: lemongrass? Nah, the chamomile is more more my wife's speed.
3: Okay, I like a good chamomile before I go to bed. So, but not necessarily what you
0: would drink before a podcast when you're going to be a an exciting, engaging guest, Ben.
3: Right. That's why I drink booze and caffeine (laughs) before the podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm like one of the rare sports writers that doesn't drink. I'm like
0: you'd be surprised; it's actually not that rare at least in our experience. Yeah, um, we're
1: we're just degenerates.
0: Yes. We're terrible.
2: <laughs> no, but what's good though is that that you did drink something of note. It wasn't just water. Exactly. exactly. So we've told we... we've told many water drinking guests that we wouldn't bring it up as a negative and I just did. So, take that like <laughs> 15 guests that were kind enough to come on.
3: The,
1: the last time that you had me on it was uh I was drinking water and we we started devolving into jokes about uh Flint's water system. So, <laughs>
0: i don't remember that thankfully um because i would feel really bad about that if i remembered it let's talk about soccer and get our minds off of you know things like anyway <laughs> what's going on with jim Curtin's side up there in chester pa these days
1: um well you know we've had three games uh so far in the season uh, against three very tough opponents uh you know we we started the season you know, with a, with a draw against Vancouver out in the West Coast, a team we have historically, uh, not done terribly well against. Uh, we followed that up with a, uh, 2-2 draw, uh, against Toronto, uh, in, uh, Chester. You know, it's always, uh, tough opening your, your home stadium in, in the beginning of the year against, uh, the reigning conference champions. Um, and, MLS uh, Cup champion, right?
3: I wish, Th- yeah. those, those penalties didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> I, about. I wish, man. I mean, they helped
0: <laughs> like the goal during regulation or extra time. And I
3: mean, uh, like we said in the previous segment, the Sounders fans have definitely not told anybody about their success in the game, so it must not have happened.
1: Yeah, I was watching that game, and, and I immediately uh, was having flashbacks to when Seattle won a cup, won the U.S. Open Cup in Philadelphia, <laughs> uh back in uh twenty fourteen and yep yep yeah it hurt all over again. No.
0: <laughs> we we have that feel, that specific feel too.
2: Friggin' Seattle. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well then we fought we followed that up uh against uh you know a a road loss uh against Orlando City. Uh they they did not play their best game down in Florida. Um you know to be fair orlando seems like it's going to be one of those uh super tough places to play in mls um but you know getting uh getting two points out of those three games it's not great but it's it's you know it's not the worst thing i don't think there were a whole lot of people expecting to get nine out of out of those three so
0: well you're in a better spot than dc united (laughs) right now if if only just um (laughs) I think You've at least 10th and scored 11th goals in the Eastern conference we have right
1: scored goals. I think even one or two of them were for the run, from the run of play, which was kind of awesome. Well,
0: I at mean... this point we'd take anything. So I want to ask you how you are treating our good friend, Chris Pontius up there in, in Pennsylvania. You taking so care when, of him? You're putting when... him on ice at appropriate intervals.
1: <laughs> when Chris came, uh, to Philadelphia, man, was that a head-scratcher. Uh, they they seemingly gave up a lot and were paying him a lot of money. And I'm one of those people that felt like a complete idiot by the end of the season, doubting that this guy was going to come in and, and be able to contribute and be a leader on the team. Um, I don't know what they've done uh, with him to keep him healthy. I don't care what they've done to keep him Blood magic. They've been able to They've been able to do it. And he's been playing, you know, some of the best soccer of his career. So whatever they're doing, I'm happy about it.
2: Uh, Eugene, when I was watching, you mentioned the, the, the game in Orlando. Um, Jason Kreiss has that reputation for being a coach that really likes possession, but it seemed like in this game... Uh, everyone in Orlando had decided to just play over the top as often as possible. It was very direct from Orlando all game long. And it seemed like the union were really uncomfortable with it. Do you think they were just caught off guard or is this a, a more long term problem that they have to sort out?
1: I think it could be a little bit of both um, like you said when you know when I think of a jason christ team i don 't think of one that that bombs it downfield uh as consistently as Orlando did um, but I also think that this could be problematic for the union um you know you've got a center back in okuchi and who's 34 years old who's not as mobile as he used to be uh not that he was ever very very mobile um so it's certainly a weakness to exploit um you know him pairing up uh with uh richie marquez at, at center back and with uh, keegan rosenberry um, you know that's gonna. It's gonna take a little bit for those guys to kind of mesh together and figure out who's doing what. Um, there are some kinks to, that that still need to be worked out. as obvious, uh, or was made obvious against Orlando City. Um, so it's certainly something that you know the union are going to have to try and, and take account for. Um, you know, in years past we've played with a, a very defensive midfielder, be it a Maurice Adu, be it a Warren Craval. So this year we've kind of gotten away from having that extra guy to get back whose sole job it is in the midfield to get back and help on defense. Um, so I think it's just kind of an adjustment period, but it is certainly something that I feel teams are going to try and exploit.
2: Oh, I'm glad you, you mentioned the central midfield. That was where I was going to go next. Um, it's two players that are more or less new to MLS. Derek Jones was signed late last year um as a homegrown player, and Harris Medanine was brought in um I don't know if I'm actually <clears> pronounced I might have it is it a soft J? I got it wrong. Yeah, it's it's Medunian. Okay. Well that was way off. Um <laughs> But uh uh they brought him in uh in the off season um to be I, I, I'm i guessing the idea was that he is sort of the uh, direct replacement for Vincent Nogueira And Jones, I don't think they expected to be a starter at first, but he has made it pretty much impossible to displace him. Um, how do they work as as a duo in, in the engine room in, the, in that 4-2-3-1?
1: Sure. I mean, that's something that, you know, we've been trying to figure out at, at Brotherly Game, and I think a lot of the fans here have been trying to figure out exactly how this midfield is going to work. Um, I think it's a little bit dangerous to compare this midfield to the midfield uh, of past. So uh, before you would have Vincent Noguera, who was the metronome. He was, you know, distributing the ball, playing a lot of defense, uh, and, and then you had it going to uh, a guy up top in Tranquillo Barnetta, um, who would then be the field general. He would, you know, make sure that, you know, Runs were being made and that sort of thing, and I think that that dynamic isn't there anymore. I don't think that there is. I'm sorry, my my
3: dog wants to say hi. That's okay. My, my cats have said hi more than more than. <laughs>
0: this once. is not the more first animal than, guest. More done.
3: than ten times. So. What's your dog's
0: yeah. name?
1: Um, his name's going to be Meat if he's not quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, anyways, back to the midfield. I, I don't think that it's it's going to be uh, a, a standard setup. I think you have a guy in Madunyanin, uh who likes to go forward, um, who doesn't get back on defense all that often. But it's not really an issue um, most times, simply because his passes are so good and so incisive. Incis- you know, we can pick out a guy. 20, 30 yards ahead of him and continue a break. I think with Jones, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of us uh, were kind of caught off guard that he was able to get and to hold on to a starting spot. Um, you know, we've been watching Derek for years. He came up through the academy system, um, played with Bethlehem Steel last year. He was the first player ever to sign with our USL side. He's, he's been on our radar um, but to see that he you know, was able to come up and take a starting job, I think that that changed the dynamics. You don't really have this field general and then the kind of defensive guy. You have a, a field general in, in Madunyanin, and you also have a guy in Jones that likes to get up into the play as well. You have this more of, a, of an attacking push. Uh, Jonesy is a little bit better at getting back, uh, on defense. Um, and I think the key to that is going to be those two guys figuring out who's doing what, at what point, who's going to go forward, who's going to kind of retreat back and make sure that things are covered.
3: So for those, uh, people who aren't paying attention to the Philadelphia union, Moa didn't play any games last year. Moadu hasn't played any games this year so far. Is Moadu coming back at all? Is Moadu done? What's what's the situation of the former U.S. men's national teamer in Philly? Sure.
1: sure. So to set the stage, Adu had, um, I forget what the, the technical term is, um, but he had some sort of, uh, I, I guess, shin splints, for, for lack of a better... Was it compartment syndrome or not Sure, I don't is think it? it was compartment syndrome, but it was it was something where he had these micro fractures in his leg uh, okay. and they were they were causing a lot of discomfort and unfortunately, as anybody who's ever had since knows the only thing you can do is to not reinjure them to kind of stay off of them right um you know and that that was serious enough, and especially with with the dude you know turning i think twenty eight or twenty nine last season. You want to make sure that, that this sort of injury has time to heal and heal properly. Um, he did all of the right things. He was on his path back, was in the 18 a couple times last year, and then in a scrimmage uh, wound up breaking his leg. So he was done uh, for the end of last year. They were very hopeful they'd be able to get him back in time for the playoffs. Obviously that that canceled that out. He's still injured. Um, he's still trying to rehab uh, from from that second break. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to be back this year? I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I hope so. You know, Mo's a great guy. He's, you know, a, a team guy. Everybody on the team likes him. The fans like him. It, it just sucks to have a guy like that who can't seem to stay healthy. And I'm sure you guys know... What that's like having a guy like Chris Pontius, exactly. Who, mm-hmm. when he plays, you're like, okay, this is this is awesome. But you know, he's he's hurt and he he can't seem to ever get it situated. You know, and it,
3: it sucks. So going from somebody going from somebody that everybody likes to somebody who is kind of a troll, uh, <laughs> but staying with the national team do Philly fans like Alejandro Bedoya? Do they also? do you guys also think he's a troll or is he just like perfectly Philadelphia and just fits in like a glove?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Strong um, answer. You know, he's, man, I'm trying to think of a diplom- diplomatic way to say this. He's kind of an asshole, but he's kind of our asshole. So, <laughs> you know. sounds about right. <laughs> it, when if he was doing this in a, on another team, he'd be that guy I would just you know, I would I would just not like him. I'd hate to to see his name in the papers and, and all that kind of stuff. But he's our guy and so that gives kind of an extra uh extra dimension I guess um to, to having him around.
3: But do you like having him in the central midfield or would you rather have him elsewhere in that formation?
1: I think that's another thing that they've got to really figure out. Um, you know, they brought him in last year as, as a stopgap replacement for Noguera. Um, didn't didn't work out all that well. This year, they've got him up to 10. You know, I haven't really seen a whole lot from him. Yes, of course, it's been three games, uh, so that's not much of a body of work. Um, but, you know, you'd think you would have seen a little bit more from him. You know, maybe maybe not. Maybe it's just the the quality of the the, the center backs and, and defensive mids that he's been up against. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that in the next couple of games we're going to see something. We're going to see something that clicks. We're going to see him and Madunyan and Jones working as a midfield unit and seeing them get stuff up to Jay Simpson or CJ Sapong and... You know, really make the midfield work. I don't know if they're going to try and push him out wide. The Union are absolutely stacked on the wing. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you know, you've already you've got uh, Fabian Herbers, a kid that's played extremely well out in the wing. You've got a guy like Ilzinho who who can't seem to get many minutes because Herbers has been playing well. To take Bedoya and then try him out there, I, I just I don't see that being really an option.
0: Up front, C.J. Sapong has been up and down with the Union. There's been stretches where he's been uh, almost best 11 quality. I remember the, the one nothing win uh, y'all had over D.C. United last year uh, back in May. Um, C.J. Sapong was just dominant. He made Steve Birnbaum look like an unheralded rookie rather than uh, a second-year player who was about to get major minutes with the U.S. national team. How's he been doing this year and and how's how's the rest of the team playing off of him?
1: Sure, well, um he kind of lost his starting position to Jay Simpson. Uh Simpson's a guy that they went out over in the offseason and got from a uh, Orient. Um really high power team. Kind of a head scratcher, <laughs> you know, not many of us <laughs> knew much about Leighton Orient. I mean, I knew that they were the ones that had the dragon logo from football manager. (laughs) (laughs) That was the extent of my knowledge. Um, you know, but the union saw enough in him, uh, to go out and get him, And, you know, that's kind of been Ernie Stewart's MO. You know, they, they find these kind of guys, uh, that are undervalued that they think can really fit well, uh, into the system and they bring them in, um, Simpson unfortunately got hurt uh, about 30 minutes into the Toronto game. Uh, suffered a bruised lung. He was how, wait. How, how did he get a bruised lung in a soccer game? Uh, it was I think game time temperature was like 25 degrees here. Uh. Uh, he collided with Clint Irwin. Hit mm-hmm. the, hit the ground pretty hard uh, on the goal that he scored. Uh, played on adrenaline for a few minutes, but then wound up getting, uh, gotcha. coming off for, for Sapong. Um, Sapong to his credit looked great. You know, it'd be really easy to forgive a guy who lost his starting job and then comes in, uh, in, 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 in one of the coldest games I can remember, uh, to, to not perform well. CJ did well. And he also did well against Orlando. I mean, you know, of course you never want to lose, um, you know, and you never look good in a loss, but he looked he looked decent. So, hopefully, even just having Simpson around has kind of spurred uh, Sapong to play up to his potential. Um, you know, it's hard when you see a guy who you know we saw him go on on a crazy run, I think 2014 or 2015, um, and you know to see him kind of drop off from that. You know, the potential's there. It's like, you know, what happened? Where did that guy go? And to see that back is really uh, really kind of a good feeling for, for Union fans.
0: So uh, we have a traditional final question in these segments, and that is to ask you, our guest, to put yourself on the other bench, essentially. If you were coming up against the Philadelphia Union in a game, how would you game plan against them?
1: I'd look a lot at what Orlando City did. Um, you know, I, I feel like they did, uh, you know, tactically what they needed to do in, in order to beat the Union. Um, it wasn't a, a situation where they had Kaká come out and, you know, you have a world-class talent like that just beat you. You know, like you said, the, the long balls, the the, the over-the-top uh, making our center backs run for it, um, trying to exploit the you know the minor miscommunications that that will happen between players, you know, especially in that midfield, especially between guys like Madunyan and and Jones and Bedoya, Um, you know, if DC can disrupt that, if they can disrupt that flow, uh, kind of keep, you know, whoever the the starting center forward is, uh, you know, isolated, not able to to receive that final ball and really look to exploit uh, the defense. You know, I think it could be, a long day down in the district for us
0: well i know i'm hoping that that's the case but whether whether you agree or not eugene why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online
1: uh sure thing so uh i'm all over the place so for philadelphia union stuff you can find me at uh, brotherlygame.com um or at at brotherlygame on the twitter um I also write a lot about Liga MX and Mexican soccer for FMF State of Mind. Um, and my Twitter handle is Golazo del Gringo.
0: All right. Find us at blackandredunited.com. We are also on the Twitter machine at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Plus, we all have our own Twitter handles, which you have to work to find. Okay. We're not going to make it easy for you about everything. Are Sometimes you just, I do something you, for yourself.
3: Are you just uh-huh. copying me? No. From when, from when you weren't here?
0: Um, I'm going to say no. I'm, okay. I'm going to go with no. Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Google Music. We're on the podcatcher of your choice. I think my vowels got a little screwy there. Please excuse me. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about us, whether it's at the tailgate on Saturday, uh, if you are at a bar to watch the USA game on Tuesday night, just tell a friend about the podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you did that. Uh, for Jason and Ben, and thanking Eugene and Josie one last time, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye,
2: Jason. I am Sierra long.